No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where Samuel's sons refuse to walk in the ways of their father. And Israel wants to be just like the other nations, so they demand a king. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 8 on Simply the Bible. We continue our study of the book of 1 Samuel today in chapter 8. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel and the name of his second Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, but his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Samuel's sons were far away from their father. They were south in Beersheba in the territory of Simeon and Judah. But Samuel was north in Ramah near Jerusalem. And so they operated without Samuel's direct supervision. Now, they didn't walk in their father's footsteps. But Samuel went ahead and made them judges, which was a mistake. One should put somebody in an office not because they are your family, but because they're qualified for the job. And because Samuel did this, it put a sour taste in the mouths of the people for the continuation of Samuel's administration. His sons turned aside from the Lord after dishonest gain. They took bribes and they perverted justice. Now, why does this happen? Why does somebody who was such a man of God as was Samuel, have sons that go so far astray. Unfortunately, this happens a lot, and it happens a lot in ministry. And perhaps one of the reasons, really, was that Samuel was too busy. He was a circuit judge. He was going from place to place. But maybe he neglected his duties at home and was not there physically training his sons. And that's a mistake. Unfortunately, many in ministry have been sort of workaholics and their family suffers. And many times their kids turn aside from wanting anything to do with ministry. And that is tragic. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. So Samuel putting his sons in that place of leadership was a mistake because it gave the people a convenient excuse to get what they really wanted, which was a king. They wanted to be like the other nations and have their own king. And this gave them the reason to go to Samuel and ask for this. Now, they were facing the opposition of the Philistines and other nations. They didn't have a king or a standing army. And they wanted the visible protection that these things would offer them. But they forgot that if they would keep the Lord's covenant, that he would protect them from their enemies. They were trying to be like the other nations, but they forgot that they were God's own special people. They possessed the wisdom of his law and the power of his glory dwelling among them. 
but they took their eyes off of these unseen spiritual things and put them on the physical things that could be seen, especially those things that they didn't have. They stopped trusting in the Lord and instead leaned on the arm of flesh. And how often do people do that today? It was clear that it was God's ultimate plan to give them a king. God gave instructions in Deuteronomy for the king who would come from their own people. Jacob said that the scepter would not depart from the tribe of Judah. God had a king in mind who would be a man after his own heart. David at first, and then ultimately the son of David, Jesus Christ. But they wanted to have their king now, and they didn't care what it would cost them. Verse 6, But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. Samuel was brokenhearted because he had devoted his life to serving the people, but they rejected him and his sons. However, rather than lashing out at the people in anger or frustration, Samuel wisely took the matter to the Lord, and that's always a good policy. You know, I have personally discovered the wisdom of this. When people say or do things that frustrate me, I want to react to my flesh. I want to get in their face, you know, but I have found and learned the hard way. It's way better for me to just go before the Lord, lay the matter before him, pray, and just wait until he shows me what to do. He handles things so much better than I do. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. The Lord comforted Samuel. He understood that Samuel felt rejected, He said, but look, Samuel, understand they're not rejecting you per se. They're rejecting me. They've always done this. They have rejected my covenant. They've gone after other gods. They've done this since I took them out of Egypt. Now, therefore, heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. In Psalm 106, the psalmist speaks of the Israelites craving meat when they were in the wilderness. They soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. The same thing was happening here, except now their craving wasn't for meat, it was for a king. God would give them their request, but it would bring leanness into their soul. It can be dangerous when God gives us what we want. It can actually rob us of our spiritual blessings. God told Samuel to solemnly warn them of the behavior of the king who would rule over them. He wanted the people to know exactly what was going to happen. He wanted them going into this with both eyes wide open. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. 
he will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. Will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves, and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage, and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men, and your donkeys, and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. So Samuel said, you want a king? This is what you're going to get. He will take your sons and make them horsemen for his chariots, soldiers in his army, farmers for his fields, and manufacturers of his weapons of war. He will take your daughters, make them perfumers, cooks, and bakers, not to mention to add them to his harem. He will take your fields, vineyards, and olive groves. He'll take them to give to his servants to support his huge administration. He will take a tenth of your produce and sheep. He will take your finest servants and donkeys. And you will be his servants. And in that day you will cry out, but I won't hear you. Sure enough, in the days following Solomon's rule, the people cried out for relief from the heavy yoke Solomon had put on them to maintain the glory of his kingdom. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us. Don't bother us with the facts, Samuel. Our minds made up that we may also be like the other nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. You see, that was the main reason. They wanted a visible king to fight their visible battles, but they would pay dearly for it. On the other hand, God required their firstborn livestock to redeem their firstborn sons and to bring a tenth of their produce along with their sacrificial offerings. But in exchange, God would completely protect and provide for them. They would lack no good thing in the land of milk and honey. They would be free. They would be a people blessed above all nations. But they would reject all of this that God would have provided for them to have a king of their own choosing. Today, the average American spends 20% cumulatively on federal taxes plus an additional percentage on state and local taxes, you know human government is still expensive. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, every man go to his city. Once again, Samuel checked back with the Lord after his encounter with the people. Samuel was a man of prayer. God would give them the king of their choosing, but he was displeased with their choice. The prophet Hosea speaks of this in Hosea 13.9. O Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. I will be your king. Where is any other? 
that he may save you in all your cities and your judges to whom you said, give me a king and princess. I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. And sure enough, God was not pleased. He was angry about their request. God would give them Saul, who had the physical appearance of a king, but whose heart would soon turn away from the Lord. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, which tells us that he wasn't really God's choice, but the people's choice. You know, the old adage is true. God always gives his best to those who leave the choice with him. And we might add, and those who wait upon him to give it. The truth is that God still wants to be our king. Jesus is the king of kings and Lord of lords. And one day soon he will return to reign on the throne of David in Jerusalem as a physical king. But in the meantime, he rules on the throne of every heart who bows the knee to him, who submits to him as king and redeemer. And what a blessed reign he offers. Let me just tell you personally, I love having the Lord as my king. He takes care of me, he protects me, he provides for me so much better than I could ever do myself. Not only for now in the physical realm, but forever in the spiritual realm. Is Jesus Christ your king? You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we will see where Saul's father, Kish, loses his donkeys. As Saul and his servants search for them, they meet Samuel who tells Saul something he never would have imagined. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Samuel on Simply the Bible.